Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, how many of you are ready to hear the word this morning? Amen. If you're hungry for anything today, may it be the word. Amen. I want to jump straight in as we have a lot of things that we want to get to towards the end of the service. So if you have your Bible, stand with me and turn to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. If you're there, shout amen. Oh, that was really weak. If you're there, shout amen. Okay, there we go. So Luke chapter 17, and I'll begin reading at verse 11 from the New Living Translation. You can also follow along on your smartphone or on the screen. It's there as well. But I encourage you to bring either your Bible or your device. Why? So you can take notes. You can capture what God is speaking to your heart. Uh, If it's on the screen, there's no way to underline it or to highlight it, just a side note. So do what you need to do. I won't get offended if you're taking notes on your phone, but do it in a way that you can remember and, and draw upon it in the future as the Spirit would lead you to. So Luke chapter 17 verse 11 says this, As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria, As he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God. And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Verse 17, Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today. God, may the seed of your word Take root in fertile soil in our heart, God, that it might germinate and produce in us everything which you set your word out to produce. Lord, I ask now that you would anoint my mind, my lips, and my heart as I speak your word, which is already anointed. And God, may I speak only that which you want me to say to your church today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Luke chapter 17, it's a story that maybe you might be familiar with, but I just want to highlight a few things for us this morning. But the first thing, as we now consider what we've read, is I want you to really take note of how great of a miracle this actually was. Take note of it, how great of a miracle this actually was. In verse 12, it tells us, that there were ten lepers. Not only that, but they stood at a distance. And we talked about leprosy a few weeks ago, I think it was. And I just want to highlight, again, out of Leviticus, 
why they were standing at a distance and why this was a, an interesting encounter. In Leviticus 13.46, in speaking of these kind of skin diseases, it says this, As long as the serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. So really, they were outsiders, they were loners, and they just hung out with other lepers. So in this case, there's a band of ten of them. And they're just isolated outside of a regular camp where a bunch of people would be. They have their own place now outside. So they stood at a distance, and as Jesus is approaching, they actually shout out, And they shout out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So we have to understand that there is a people in society, in our world now today, that maybe don't understand church. They're not like you and me, perhaps. They don't act like you and me. And we who are, let's just use, for example, on the inside to borrow this idea of the camp and them being on the outside, they don't understand Christianese. Some of you are like, what did he say, Chinese? No, Christianese. There's a church lingo that we develop within the walls of this building that we all understand, but someone who's walking in perhaps does not understand. But there's a people that, that is on the outside Though we might not speak a similar language, they they might use profanity, they might smoke, they might do things that we would consider unclean or we would not touch those kind of people even. But I believe that within, if we can look past the front, that there is a cry on their heart saying, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. And they are waiting for someone, i.e. the church, to step up and to step out to be the church, and to be within reach of those people that maybe who are unfamiliar with church and unfamiliar with actually what goes on and what we do as the church. And they're waiting on us, friends, church, brother and sister in Christ, to be close enough. Why? So we can hear their cry. If we have the hope, and his name is Jesus, we need to share what we've received with others. And so this is just a a simple application for the church today. But Jesus in our text is close enough where they feel we can cry out and he'll hear us now. So Jesus, have mercy on us. And remember, I want you to understand how great of a miracle this is. And so Jesus responds in our text in verse 14 and he says this. It says, he looked at them and said, go and show yourselves to the priest. Now, in one story, Jesus touches people and they're healed. He spits even on his hands and their sight is restored. And in this case, Jesus doesn't even touch them. He doesn't even say, you are healed or be healed or it is my will to heal you. Be healed in Jesus' name, in my name and go. He simply says, go and show yourselves to the priest. It's interesting that he would say that. But it made a lot of sense to the lepers. I want you to know that. In Leviticus 14, verses 2 and 3, it says this. 
The following instructions are for those seeking ceremonial purification from a skin disease, such as leprosy. Those who have been healed must be brought to the priest. So think about what Jesus has told them. The instruction was, now go and show yourself to the priest. But you, like, you didn't even say you're healed. You didn't even say, no, it's my will. He just gave the instruction to go. And it's important for us not to understand that they would have understood what, what, the, what that actually meant. The act of going to show yourself to the priest was them basically declaring themselves to be healed of this skin disease called leprosy, which was a severe disease of the skin. So understand, if I was one of the ten, if he's telling me to go, I'd be like, but don't you see my condition? Why would I attempt to now go and show? And here's something important for us to understand about the name of Jesus. We've been singing about how beautiful the name is, how wonderful the name is, but we have to understand it's also a powerful name. Amen? What a powerful name it is. And Jesus has the final word. Jesus has the final word. Remember Easter? The cross has the final word. On the cross he said what? It is finished. Everything that you and I would ever need has been bought and paid for with the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. And so when Jesus says go and show yourself, yourselves to the priests, he's basically already declaring them healed, though they themselves did not receive that healing yet. And you have to understand, it took some faith on their part to start that journey. How many of you would agree? It takes a bit of faith to, at the word, obey. So the word came, now it's like, okay, he said to go and show ourselves to the priest. What are we going to do? Okay, so what do you think they did? We read it. They went. And I just want to highlight a few more things for you. You wouldn't need to go to the priest unless something had already happened. And you see, it's as they went, in verse 14, it says that they were cleansed of their leprosy. As they went, not as they listened to what Jesus was saying, but as they obeyed what Jesus had said. As they went, then they were cleansed of their leprosy. You see, church, it's good to listen to the voice of God. But what I think God is actually looking for in our lives is the obedience part. Because God can speak to his church, to his sons and his daughters, all he wants. And I believe he is speaking, always. Sometimes we just get the noise of this world is louder, you know, like a radio station. We have to retune our listening to what God is actually speaking. It's like, oh, there's the channel. Oh, wait, there's the signal again. And now I can hear clearly again. But it's in the obedience. Because God can speak a word that would change the course of your life and alter your destiny. But if you do nothing about it and you don't obey, guess what? You're still going to be standing there waiting, thinking I'm waiting on God. When in reality, God is actually waiting on you. And so, finally, it didn't say that it took them long, but they obeyed. They turned. They went. And verse 14, as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. 
It was in the moment of action that they were healed. And I've said it before and I'll remind you again. God honors movement. God honors action. When you put action to your faith, then God can, you'll see the mountain move. Because now you're moving. You're obeying what he has told you to do. Verse 15, when one of them saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus He came back to Jesus. Today, the title of my sermon is The Thank You Economy. The Thank You Economy. It's it's a world where we are thankful. We are eternally grateful. It's a world where, despite maybe my current situation, it's, it's a mindset that says, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. A thank you economy. So one out of the ten... In verse 15, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus. Verse 16 tells us that not only did he come back to Jesus, but he fell down at his feet, at the ground, and he began thanking him for what Jesus had done for him, for his life. And I just began to think, how many of us, God has done so much for us. If we actually stop and we look back, we can count the blessings. We can count God's faithfulness. And my prayer is that we can't count enough because there's too much that God has been faithful. Even those times where we thought it was us, it was actually him all along, like footprints in the sand. And it's incredible that we can move on so quickly to be like, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Go show yourself to the priest. I go, and as I go, I'm healed. And I'm like, yay, look, I'm not a loner anymore. I can go through the whole cleansing process. And then I could go hang out with the regular people again. And how quickly did the nine forget? How quickly they forgot. But in a thank you economy, just like the one, and actually the Bible uh, makes mention that he was the foreigner. So I assume the others were Jewish. But he was the foreigner, the Samaritan, who actually returned to Jesus, fell at his feet, and just began to thank him. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. Thank you for what you've done for me. Where were the other nine? I don't know. But I want, it's, it's interesting that Jesus takes note. Jesus takes note of the thankfulness aspect. And he says, hold on a second, weren't there ten of you that were healed? But only you have come back? Where are the other nine? And it's interesting that that matters to Jesus enough to point it out. And all I want to submit to you on that point is, don't be one of the nine. Be the one who says thank you. Be the one who says thank you. I'm reminded of the Israelites that God had delivered them out of slavery, 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And what do they begin to do as they move and journey out? Grumble and complain. So what's the opposite of a spirit of thankfulness? A spirit that grumbles and complains and finds an excuse and a fault in every single thing. Don't be like the Israelites when they grumbled and complained. And you know what happens when you get to that point? Well, it was better in Egypt. Really? Do you not see what God is actually doing as he's guiding you, as he's delivered you, and he's bringing you to the promised land? Just stop for a moment and thank God. Thank God for what he's done. 
And so in our lives, let's, let's not grumble and complain. Let's learn a lesson here that Jesus is looking for those who will stand up, especially in this day and age where it's, it's all about self-entitlement and me, 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 where we say thank you for what you have done. In your workplace, it's not just for church and for God. In your workplace, I'm sure you can find points to be, you know, picking at. But instead of that, find something that you can thank somebody else for, a coworker. Maybe if you have no excuse, then you, you do the one. You, you do the good. Bring a coffee instead of a, a sour attitude. Bring a sweet coffee to work and give it to someone that really ticks you off. And just say, here you go. Thank, thank you for just reminding me to be thankful in my own life. You can find a reason. It doesn't take too much. There's a way to be thankful. Go up to your employer and say, you know what? Maybe I, everyone else takes it for granted, but thank you for paying me on time every two weeks when the paycheck comes. Thank you for the direct deposit. Th- thank you. Find something to be thankful for. Amen. A spirit of thankfulness, lest we grumble and complain about everything. Is that the real Jesus we represent? Is it? No. No, it's not. And I want to share with you um, just four simple things, truths about what we need to learn to do about thankfulness in the thank you economy. Number one is learn to thank God for what he's already done. What he has done in the past. Why? Because if you can't see into the fr- in front of you and it's hard for you, you can begin by looking to the past and seeing God's faithfulness and you can thank him for it. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7 says this, Don't worry about anything. That's speaking about what's coming in front of you. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So let's also have an attitude of prayer. And then here, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. So a spirit of thankfulness. We need to learn to thank God for what he has done. And when I, th- when I begin to think, I can, I'll, I'll go all day thinking about how good God has been. I, I just started shooting some stuff off at Priscilla last night at the kitchen table while she was on her iPad in the living room. And I could tell she didn't really want to hear everything in that moment because she was busy doing her stuff. But I just started rhyming off, thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Lord, thank you for saving. And I could just go on and on and on. Thank you for the blood that washes my sin away. Thank you that by your stripes we are healed. When I look, even through the scriptures, there's so much that I can thank God for that we must learn to always thank God for what he's done. Verse 7, I don't know if I put it in the notes on the screen, but it says this, Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we understand. So it, it goes beyond. It transcends your understanding. So it could be a crazy situation that you are faced with, but you let your request be made known to God through prayer and with thanksgiving, And the peace which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. It's not a formula, but it is. I want peace through every situation. So Joanne and Nick, as you approach your wedding, I know there's the the planning, the details. Everything has to come together for one day of your life. And a lot of people, you know, will be coming and all of that stuff. But I want you to know that 
If you trust him and you surrender it all to him, he will give you peace which surpasses all understanding. Though there's a lot going on. And that's just, that's a wedding day. That's important. But they're in your body and you're, if, if you're waiting for a report and I, I know you can lie awake and just wonder at night what is, is going to be positive or negative, good or bad. All of these thoughts can ring and keep you in fear, keep you anxious at night, keep you even from sleeping. But we just need to surrender to him and say, Lord, I give it to you now. I, I pray. I make this a matter of prayer. I pray about everything. I, I share it with you, God. And I trust you and I thank you for what you've already done. And now let that peace which surpasses all understanding, let it guard my heart and my mind through Christ Jesus. With our church renovation project, did you know that we are starting tomorrow? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Nunzio is our site supervisor. And we're going to pray for him because he's going to be watching all the crews, the contractors that come to start work. And Nunzio, I pray for peace, supernatural peace, because I always said I'd hate to be the architect or the site super, because that stuff scares me. I, w- I would not sleep if I was in charge and responsible for that department. So the peace which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart, but also your mind, because I know he's been awake for several hours through nights, thinking through how are we going to do this effectively, efficiently, and cost effectively. So there's a lot. Number one, learn to thank God for what he's done. Here's a nugget of truth for you, though. It's easier to thank God after the fact than before the fact. I'm going to say it again. It's easier to thank God after the fact than before. Why? Well, because God already brought you through it. You look back and you say, yay, God was faithful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As true as that is, those nine people didn't even care to come back and and be thankful, even after they were healed. So they already saw the evidence and did not, they were not thankful. They did not have a spirit of thankfulness. So here's the nugget. It's easy to thank God, and it's on the screen. It's easy to thank God for what he's already done. But the power or the secret lies in thanking God for what he has yet to do. What he has yet to do. To do, And I want to draw off of John chapter 6. Many of us know the story about the, the, the fish and the loaves. It was a little boy's lunch. But they had to feed. There were, the Bible records 5,000, but that just accounted the men. It didn't account for their wives or the children that would have been present when Jesus and the disciples were there all day. And now they had to feed these people. They were hungry and getting hungry, but Jesus was teaching. And what do they do? They get this little boy's lunch, loaves and fish. And you know what's incredible about that? The Bible says, as it records the story for us, that before there was the food to feed all of those 5,000, all they had was the boy's lunch. Jesus took the bread and gave thanks. Gave thanks So it's important now to understand what maybe some I saw some of you taking a picture of what was on the screen. It's easy to thank God for what he's already done, but the power or the secret weapon lies in thanking God for what he has yet to do. Here's the loaf. Five loaves. Two. How many was it? I'm insecure from the last time I said loaves of fish. Five loaves and two fish. We're good. 
Jesus, the man who didn't even need to say thank you, the one who didn't even need to pray about this meal because he already knew what was about to happen, but know that the power lies in giving thanks for what you already have in your hand. And as you thank God for it, he will multiply what you already have. So thank God for your home. Maybe you have a small basement apartment and you're squeezing into it. Thank God for what you have. Thank God. Don't grumble and complain. Thank you, God, for this place. We have a place to sleep. Maybe it's a little hot at night because we're a bunch of us in a small apartment. We've been there. I remember that. And as God sees your, your heart, your perspective on it, what do you think? God is a good father. And he will bless. He will multiply what you have. But here's the opposite truth. If you are not thankful for what you already have, it will be very difficult for God to entrust you with even more. Lest you be ungrateful for what he then gives you. Amen? So we are thankful for this church. We are thankful for this building that we meet in. And as we are so thankful, we've honored um, God, throughout the last 35 years in this facility, and guess what? God, God is bringing us to the point where tomorrow we're going to see this place. I mean, if you, some of you, before you leave today, you might want to walk the halls and just like take video and pictures because by next Sunday you won't have access to this wing here. So some of you who are nostalgic like me, I already did my videos this past week. Um, like You might need to do a little walkthrough just so you have a, a memory And we thank God that when we come back and this place uh, is all done, we can look back and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done, and thank you for what you are doing. I know that was number one, but I promise the next three are really quick. Number one, learn to thank God for what he's done. It's important. Number two, learn to thank God for what he has yet to do. And that's what we just touched on when Jesus prays for this little boy's meal that then goes to feed. And by the way, we already talked about this once, but it wasn't just enough to feed everyone, but there were 12 basketfuls left over to the overflow. And that's what God does when we say thank you, when we acknowledge the source. So number two, learn to thank God for what he has yet to do. Told you that was quick. Number three, learn to thank God when it's easy. Learn to thank God when it's easy. Well, why is that important for us to learn? Because when it's easy, usually we start with thanking God. And then it shifts to look at, look at what I have or look what I have accomplished or what we have done. And God kind of takes the passenger seat. Not intentionally even. It just kind of happens because we're just so happy now. And we actually stop thanking God. And it's interesting, people don't, who maybe once were in church and today they are not serving the Lord, it's not like they just flick a switch and decide, I'm done with this. I mean, sometimes that's the case and they don't show up anymore. Usually it's a slow and gradual process to not even attending church anymore. And then uh, you meet someone who you haven't seen in three years and they're like, oh my goodness, yeah, I remember Weston Road, we... uh, You know, and then all the memory of the last three years and how you've lost track comes and flashes before you. 
and it's a reminder of the hurt and how you let things slip even. It's, but listen, it, it can easily get off track just by us forgetting to thank God. Because then we think this is us and this is me and we can do this and I got this. And the minute we get to that point, we leave God out of the main picture and that's where the danger lies, church. So we always need to learn to thank God even when it's easy. Why? Well, because when it's easy, everything's good. And that's usually when we think I'm so happy. And, and then when it gets really bad, then we're like, oh God, I need you. I need you like never before. And God's saying, I've always been here. It's you who walked off and drifted off. So always learn to thank God when it's easy. So start your day with thanks and praise. And we read it at the beginning of this service. Psalm 100 verse 4. Enter his gates with and go into his courts with. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So it's very simple. In the morning, just to make sure you stay on track, give him thanks. Give him thanks. Even to the worship team that's here. Maybe we need to open up our service, not with a song, maybe we just need to start with thanksgiving. And we say, Lord, we, we come and we enter your gates this morning with thanksgiving. And as a church, we just begin to thank God for, for what he's done. Thank you, Lord, for a new day. Thank you, Lord, that I have energy enough to get up and to eat breakfast and to come to the house of the Lord to worship with my brother and sister. Thank you, Lord. Because a lot of times we'll just get to praising God. But let us never forget that we are to enter his gates with thanksgiving. Once we do that, we go a little further and we enter his courts with praise. And some of you are probably, I will enter his... And we, we you know, throw back Thursday to that song. I learned drums playing that song at Emmanuel Church in Montreal. But it's so true. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. So learn to thank God even when it's easy. So start your day. If you don't know how to start your day, instead of just saying, God, this and that, help me here, help me there, just thank him. Don't, you can get to that later, but just thank God. Thank you, Lord, that you even hear me, that you even answer my prayers. That, thank you, Lord, that you are concerned about me. But before I get to what concerns me, God, I just want to bless you. I want to thank you, Lord. Thankfulness and praise. And then I'll get to, Lord, everything else that's on my heart. Amen. Number four, learn to thank God now when it's hard. Learn to thank God when it's hard. The doctor tells you, you have a year to live. My grandmother in Montreal, I haven't spent much time talking about it, but I've been driving like one 24-hour trips to Montreal because she has pancreatic cancer. And this is my mom's mom. And uh, the week before Easter, I drove up. I went after our commitment Sunday on the 28th. I drove, came back within 24 hours. I was back home. And the doctors told, her, told me when I was there, they said, she's almost 90. In January, she'll be 90. They said she doesn't have long to live, especially with pancreatic cancer. It's usually the most aggressive form. If she lives more than a year, they said, well, we will just attribute it to a wrong diagnosis. And I went, or that Jesus touched her body and healed her. And he didn't acknowledge that part. 
but he was quick to acknowledge the wrong diagnosis part. He's like, we'll take responsibility for a wrong diagnosis. I was like, how about we give God the responsibility that he healed her? And so she's doing okay. She's doing okay. But even with that kind of news, we have to be able to thank God. We have to. So when we thank God for what he's done, we thank him for what he's going to do or yet to do. We thank God when it's easy. But here's where it gets a little harder. But this is where our thankfulness becomes even more valuable to God, I believe, is when we thank him when it's hard. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18 says this, Always be joyful. When? Always. Even when it hurts, yes. Always be joyful. Next verse, 17. Never stop praying. There it is again, like it was in Philippians 4. And then verse 18, be thankful in all circumstances, not just when it's good, but also when it's bad, all circumstances, and even in the in-between when you don't know what's going on. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. What is God's will? To always be joyful, to never stop praying, and to be thankful in all circumstances. That's God's will for your life and for my life, that we give him thanks With the heart of gratitude, we give him thanks. And this morning, I just want to take a few moments, literally 30 seconds, if you would stand to your feet with me and just begin to give God thanks. Maybe it's you can identify in one of those four areas, but let's just give him thanks today. Give him thanks for your life. Give him thanks for the breath in your lungs. Come on, let him hear hear your thankfulness today, a spirit of thanksgiving. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that it's not just the fruit of our lips giving thanks, but it's to the core of who we are, God. We thank you today. We thank you that you've been faithful, Lord. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, that you've never abandoned us but you've been faithful, God. You've carried us through some of the the hardest storms of life, and we've only been able to brave them because of you, Jesus. So we thank you, Lord. Come on, church, keep thanking him. Spirit of thankfulness and praise. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we will start our morning with thankfulness that we will continue on with praise before we even get to what we are dealing with in life. Because God, you already know, but Lord, we acknowledge you today as being the supreme Lord over it all. You are sovereign. Lord, we thank you that as we give thanks for what we have, that it's then when you begin to multiply, when you begin to move on our behalf to see things change in front of us. So God, we thank you even in the case of our healing. We thank you though our body, we don't even see it or perceive it yet. You are already at work. So give us faith to obey. Give us faith not just to listen, but to actually obey and do what you are telling us to do. Lord, we give you praise and thanks today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we thank you, Lord. God, we thank you for our church. And we thank you, Lord, for this renovation project, for the overflow campaign. God, we thank you for everything that you've done and what you still have yet to do. Because this is just the beginning of overflow for our church. So, God, it's with the spirit of thankfulness that we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just say thank you, Lord, today. Thank you, Lord. And we give you alone the glory in Jesus' name.
Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.